Almighty God, we are thankful for another Lord's Day and another opportunity to praise your name and study from your scriptures. We continue to ask you to be with us as a country as we continue to experience a pandemic. We pray, Father, that you will bless us as your people to stay strong and focused on you and heaven and glorifying you as we live during these difficult times. Bless our study, God. We pray that we will learn more about Jesus and and your servants that did your work 2,000 years ago, and that, Father, we will make application to the things we study, and that we will be made better as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to begin this class by asking a question. And my question is, did Jesus ever travel when he was on this earth, did he ever travel to Caesarea? Did Jesus ever travel and preach and work miracles in Caesarea? Well, if you watch the video that I put out a couple of classes ago, then hopefully you remember that Jesus did travel to Caesarea. He did do work in Caesarea, and the Caesarea I'm talking about is Caesarea Philippi. Jesus did travel to Caesarea. He traveled to Caesarea Philippi. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, the Bible tells us that it was in Caesarea Philippi where Jesus asked his apostles, who do people say that the Son of Man is? In other words, well, what is the word on the street about me? What are people saying about my identity? That's what Jesus asked his apostles, and Peter spoke up and said, well, people are saying many different things about you. Some say that you are Elijah, and some say that you are Isaiah or Jeremiah or John the Baptist or one of the other prophets. There's a lot of different things that people are saying about you. And then Jesus then asked them, but, but what do you say? Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You see, it was in Caesarea Philippi where Peter confessed the truth about the identity of Jesus, and Jesus then promised to build his church. These things took place in Caesarea Philippi. Jesus did travel to Caesarea Philippi, but I want to submit to you now that Caesarea Philippi is not the only Caesarea in Israel. It is not the only Caesarea in Israel. In fact, in the time of Jesus, Caesarea Philippi was not even the most popular Caesarea in Israel. You see, the most popular Caesarea in Israel during the time of Jesus was not Caesarea Philippi. Instead, it was a Caesarea called Caesarea Maritima. 
Caesarea Maritima, you see, Caesarea Maritima is actually mentioned in the Bible far more than Caesarea Philippi. It is actually mentioned in the book of Acts about 15 times. And while we have no evidence that Jesus traveled and preached in Caesarea Maritima, we do know with certainty that several of his apostles did. Several of his preachers in the kingdom did. When we study the book of Acts, we learn that, that the apostle Peter, he, he preached in, in Caesarea Maritima. Uh, the apostle Paul preached and spent time in Caesarea Maritima. Philip the evangelist actually lived in Caesarea Maritima. Several of Jesus' workers did work in Caesarea Maritima, and so because of that, because many of the Lord's messengers went to this city. In this particular class, I think it is important that we just spend a few moments talking about this place. In this class, if you don't mind, I, I want to talk with you. I want to talk with you about what the Bible says about Caesarea Maritima. I want to talk with you about what I was able to see and learn when I visited this place during my trip to Israel back in 2015. And let me just begin by first giving you a few important facts about this city. And let's start with the name, the name of this Caesarea. You see, this Caesarea, as I've stated, is also known as Caesarea Maritima. The name Maritima actually means by the sea. This Caesarea is to be distinguished from Caesarea Philippi. Again, it was in Caesarea Philippi where Jesus went with his apostles, and there the apostle Peter confessed the truth about his identity, and Jesus promised to build his church. Jesus, from what the Bible tells us, did travel to Caesarea Philippi, but we have no evidence that he made his way to Caesarea Maritima. Caesarea Maritima is the Caesarea that is by the sea. During the time of Jesus, it was actually a garrison port of Rome. And it is about 65 miles from the city of Jerusalem. Remember, the city of Jerusalem was the most important city for the Jews. That was the city where the temple and the priesthood was. Caesarea Maritima sits on the west side of Israel along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. This ancient city, Caesarea Maritima, was actually built by Herod the Great between 22 and 10 BC. It was built a few years before the birth of Jesus. Remember, Herod the Great is called the Great, not because he's known in history as a great man, but instead he's called Herod the Great because he was a great builder. He built some wonderful, wonderful structures 2,000 years ago. In fact, many of the things that, that were built and designed by his hands are, are still in Israel to this day. His, his structures have stood, has truly stood the test of time. 
one of the great things that Herod the Great built was the city of Caesarea Maritima. He built this city between 22 and 10 BC, and this city was just an extravagant city because it contained an, an amphitheater, and it also contained a temple to Rome and the Caesar Augustus, and it also contained a drainage system. It was named in honor of the emperor Augustus Caesar, and not only did it contain the amphitheater and a temple to Rome and Augustus, but Herod also built a palace for himself. In Caesarea, he built an extravagant palace for himself right on the Mediterranean Sea, and this palace included a decorative pool. And we were able to see the ruins of Herod's Palace. He really knew how to treat himself. This was a glorious and magnificent palace that Herod built for himself along the Mediterranean coast in Caesarea Maritima. Caesarea Maritima also contained an aqueduct. They brought water, brought water from springs located about 10 miles to the northeast. The water was actually brought from the foothills of Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, if you recall, was the mountain where Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal by the power of God. Caesarea Maritima also served as a base for the Herodian Navy. Herod also built the largest artificial harbor of the first century in Caesarea. That is something else that you can see even today. The Bible tells us that the Apostle Paul sailed from Caesarea Maritima as he made his way to Rome. It is very likely that Paul sailed from this artificial harbor that was the largest one that had been constructed in the time of the first century. Another interesting thing about this city is this city. This city is the location of the 1961 discovery of the Pilot Stone. I'll show you a picture of a replica of the Pilate Stone in just a moment. The Pilate Stone is significant because it is the only archaeological item that mentions the Roman prefect Pontius Pilate. Remember, Pontius Pilate was the Roman prefect who handed Jesus over to be crucified. Remember, according to what the Gospels tell us, Pontius Pilate questioned Jesus. He had a private conversation with Jesus, and even though he knew Jesus was innocent of the charges that had been brought against him by the Jewish leaders, he still refused to free Jesus. He still refused to let Jesus go. He feared the Jewish leaders would start a riot, and so in an effort to prevent a riot from starting, and in an effort to not have the Roman governor, government come down on him because he allowed the Jews to get out of control, Pilate handed over Jesus to be crucified. He gave the Jews what they wanted. He literally washed his hands of the, of the moment, and he gave Jesus over to be killed on a cross. Pontius Pilate was the Roman prefect who washed his hands of what was going on with Jesus. He handed Jesus over to be crucified 
by the Jews, even though he knew, he knew that Jesus was innocent. Many scholars believe that Pilate used Caesarea as a base and only went to Jerusalem when needed. That is why this discovery was able to be made of the Pilate stone. Another thing, other things I want to say about Caesarea Maritima is history tells us that all the resident Jews of the city were massacred when the rebellion broke out against the Romans in 66 AD. This would, be, this would take place four years prior to the destruction of Jerusalem. Jerusalem was officially destroyed, wiped out by the Romans in 70 AD. But four years prior to that, there was a massacre of Jews in Caesarea Maritima. This was reaching a boiling point with the Roman government, between the conflict of the Roman government and the Jews. A lot of this kind of got jump-started with what occurred in Caesarea Maritima. In 66 AD, there was hints and signs that the Romans were getting fed up with the rebellions of the Jews. Now, as far as the Bible goes, and how often Caesarea Maritima is mentioned in the scriptures, I want to share with you three specific times when Caesarea Maritima is mentioned in the scriptures. We learn about Caesarea Maritima as early as Acts chapter 8. Over in Acts chapter 8 and in verse number 40, after Philip the evangelist and we're introduced to Philip going all the way back as early as Acts chapter 6, Philip was I believe one of the first deacons to be appointed in the Jerusalem church. He was actually appointed to uh, help serve and take care of the needy widows that were in that church. Philip was one of seven men who were probably appointed to be deacons in the church, but not only was Philip appointed to probably be a deacon, when you get to Acts chapter 8, you also see that Philip was a gospel preacher. Philip was someone who was used by God to preach the gospel to some very interesting people. In Acts chapter 8, after talking about how Saul of Tarsus and Saul of Tarsus would go on to be the great apostle Paul, but in Acts chapter 8, we can read about Saul of Tarsus beginning a great persecution against the church. He began a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. In fact, this persecution was so, so great that it forced the, the church to scatter. The church scattered around the regions of Judea and Samaria. Only the apostles remained in Jerusalem. This occurred right after the, the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. After Stephen was stoned, the church in Jerusalem was forced to scatter around the regions of Judea and Samaria. This was led by Saul of Tarsus. In fact, once the church started to scatter, the Bible tells us that a man named Philip, Philip eventually made his way into Samaria. And if you recall, we've had some studies on how the Jews felt about the Samaritans. The Jews had a true prejudice against the Samaritans because the Samaritans were not fully Jewish. They were actually, in their eyes, half-breeds. They were half-Jewish and half-Gentile. They had Gentile blood, and because of that, the Jews wanted no dealings with them. John makes that very clear in John chapter 4 and verse number 9. 
The Jews didn't want anything to do with Samaritans. They would, they would never knowingly travel through Samaria, and if they even happened to touch the same object that a Samaritan touched, they would go through a ceremonial washing to clean themselves up because they did not want to even touch the same things that these people touched. They had a true prejudice against these people. Jews had no dealings with Samaritans, and yet Philip is a Jew, he was, he was part of the Jerusalem church. He was a deacon in the church. And after being forced out of Jerusalem, he goes to Samaria. He goes to the place where Jews never went to because they had a prejudice against these people. Philip, as a Jew, actually goes into Samaria and he preaches the gospel to these people. He preaches the word of God to these people. In fact, not only does he preach the word of God to these people, but he also preaches the word of God to a sorcerer, a man named Simon who had been deceiving the people of Samaria with his magic for several years. Philip preached the gospel to the Samaritans and to Simon. And after hearing his message and after seeing the miracles that he was performing by the power of God, Many of these people in Samaria became Christians. They were baptized. They, they became members of the Lord's church. God used Philip to convert a lot of people in Samaria. But then after he spent some time in, in Samaria, when you get to verse number 26, the Bible says that Philip was led by an angel of the Lord to a deserted area where he would come into contact with a, a man from Ethiopia, a man who was a eunuch and the treasurer for, for Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians. This man was reading from the word of God. He was reading from the book of Isaiah, but he didn't have a clue of what he was reading. He didn't know anything about Jesus. And so Philip went into the chariot of this man and he preached to him the word of God. He preached to him about Jesus Christ. And after preaching to him about Jesus, and after even talking with him about the need for baptism, the eunuch desired to be baptized. He didn't even want to wait until he got back to Ethiopia before he was baptized. He was baptized right in the desert. And after he became a Christian, after he obeyed the message that was preached by Philip, in verse number 40, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8 and verse 40 that Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to where? Until he came to Caesarea. That would be Caesarea Maritima. Philip eventually found himself after leaving Samaria in Caesarea Maritima. And so Philip spent some time in Caesarea Maritima after preaching the gospel and to the Ethiopian eunuch. In fact, maybe it's not accurate for me just to say Philip spent some time there because when you go to Acts 21... When you go to Acts 21 and verse number 8, when the Apostle Paul was traveling to Jerusalem with this contribution for the needy saints, Luke, the writer of Acts, says in Acts 21 and verse 8, on the next day we left and came to Caesarea. That would be Caesarea Maritima. And entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, 
who was one of the seven, that is one of the original seven deacons in the church in Jerusalem, we stayed with him. Verse 9, now this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. So notice how after telling us in Acts 80 verse 40 that Philip eventually found himself in Caesarea, when we get to Acts 21 and verse 8, we see that Philip actually made that, that city his residence. He and his four virgin daughters lived in Caesarea Maritima. He seems to have done local work in this city. And so we can read about this Caesarea when we study carefully the life and ministry of Philip the Evangelist. And we can also read about Caesarea Maritima when we study carefully the ministry of the Apostle Peter. When you go to Acts chapter 10 and in Acts chapter 11, particularly look for now at Acts 10 and verse 1. Acts 10 and verse 1 says that there was a man at Caesarea. This would be Caesarea Maritima. There was a man at Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian cohort or the Italian band, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. And then the chapter goes on to talk about this vision he had from the Lord. Now, when you study Acts chapter 10, and when you look at Acts chapter 11, we are introduced to Cornelius, as you see in Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, if you recall, would be the first fully-blooded Gentile convert. He would be the first Gentile that would be added to the Lord's kingdom or the, or the Lord's church. This began in Caesarea Maritima. This began in the Caesarea that was by the sea. Cornelius appears to be a very good man. He's a man that is in the Roman army. He's in the Italian cohort. He's a man of prayer. He's a giving man. And when you read Acts 10 and Acts 11, you see that God does hear his prayers. God knows his heart, and God sends to him the apostle Peter. After Peter preached the gospel in Jerusalem, after he's the one who preached the first gospel sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and 3,000 Jews were added to the church, Peter was the one to preach the gospel and announce the, the terms of entry to the Jews. And after he spends time in Jerusalem, and after he even spends some time in Samaria, eventually God uses him to go to Caesarea and preach the gospel first to the Gentiles. And so he preaches the gospel in its fullness first to Jews, and he also preaches the gospel in its fullness first to Gentiles. Cornelius was the first Gentile to hear the gospel in its fullness from an apostle. And remember, Peter had some problems going to Cornelius because Cornelius was a Gentile, and, and he has this Jewish thinking where we're not supposed to have anything to do with Gentiles, but God sends Peter a vision that lets him know, hey, this is what I want you to do. Gentiles are going to be included in my kingdom. And Peter actually leaves from Joppa. If you look at the map, Joppa is to the south of Caesarea. Joppa is actually 40 miles south of, of, of Caesarea. And so Philip leaves from Joppa, I mean not Philip, but Peter, I'm sorry, leaves from Joppa. He travels north by the instructions of God 
to Caesarea, there he preaches the gospel to Cornelius, and Cornelius and his household, after hearing the gospel, they obey it. They are baptized with the Holy Spirit, like the Jews were baptized with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. They start speaking in tongues miraculously. That was a sign from God that salvation has now been offered to the Gentiles, just like it had been offered to the Jews. And then Peter says, now that I know this from God, we can't refuse these people water. They must be immersed in water for forgiveness of sins. And so Cornelius and his household, they were baptized in water, just like the Jews were baptized in water in Acts 2. And now by the end of Acts 10, you have both Jews and Gentiles part of the kingdom of God. This, this began in Caesarea Maritima. The gospel going to Gentiles began not in Jerusalem, where it was for the Jews, but in Caesarea, where Cornelius lived. Cornelius the first Gentile convert. And then, one more thing I want to say about the Bible's mention of Caesarea is found in Acts 24 and 25. When you get to Acts 24 and 25, you see that before being sent to Rome as a prisoner, Paul spent a couple of years in prison in Caesarea. He was in Caesarea because there he was protected from the Jews who attempted to assassinate him. The Jews in Jerusalem wanted to kill the Apostle Paul. They plotted to take his life and to protect, in order to protect him, the Roman government had Paul moved from Jerusalem to Caesarea. He stayed there for about two years until eventually he was able to appeal his case to Caesar in Rome. One more thing I want to say about Caesarea Maritima before I show you some pictures is after Roman times, after the Roman Empire, Caesarea would fall into decay. The Arabs fell upon the coast and the Crusaders were the only intruders to give attention to the port. So Caesarea would be, become a very different city as far as status goes after the fall of Rome. Now, here are some pictures I want to show you of my trip to Caesarea Maritima, and then that's going to be the class. This right here is a view of the Mediterranean Sea from the coast of Caesarea Maritima. Before going into the city itself, our tour guide, Gus, went through with us a model of how the city would have looked in ancient times. The first thing we did there was look at this model and then we made our way into the amphitheater. This is the amphitheater that was constructed by Herod the Great 2,000 years ago. In this theater you would have had a lot of entertainment. There would have been shows, sporting events, gladiator contests, concerts, all kinds of things would have taken place in this amphitheater. It would have been a, a loud place, a place where you would have gone to, to get different and various kinds of entertainment 2,000 years ago. Now, what I'm showing you here on the picture is the view we had after we left the amphitheater. We then went back to the coast, and we noticed the ruins of Herod's palace. What you see there with the pillars there, that area there is where Herod's palace was, where his palace was 2,000 years ago. Notice how Herod really 
knew how to take care of himself. He really knew how to spoil himself. He built a palace right there on, on the sea. And he would have been able to get up every morning and look out and get a great view of the Mediterranean Sea. Notice the, the nice towel that you see there. This goes back 2,000 years. This is the very floor that Herod constructed when he built his palace. This right here is the replica of the pilot stone. This is the only archaeological discovery we have that gives evidence to the existence of Pontius Pilate. It is a very important artifact. It shows us that the Bible is right. Pontius Pilate was the Roman prefect in the time of Jesus. He was a real person, and he handed Jesus over to be crucified. What me and my, my friends are standing in in this picture is uh, the ruins of a jail cell. There seemed to have been a jail that was located not far from Herod's palace. Notice how small the cell would have been. Maybe the Apostle Paul was kept in this cell or in, in, in this jail, this jail right here for two years before he was able to make his way to Rome. This is where he would have been. It would have not have been too far from Herod's palace. What you see Gus sitting on here is how a toilet Look, 2,000 years ago. Looking at this makes you really thankful for the sanitation that we have today. Notice how if you were to visit the amphitheater 2,000 years ago, if you had to go to the restroom, uh, you would have to use it on one of these right here. You would sit between these two bricks or these two stones. There would be water running through the bottom of them, and you would you would have yourself wide open to pretty much everybody that would be there. And as you did your business, it would just wash it right through uh, out of the structure. But this is what Gus is sitting on is exactly how it would have been used. How he's sitting is exactly how it would have been used 2,000 years ago as far as a toilet goes. That's what you see there. This is us walking on the beach. Uh, of Caesarea Maritima. To the left again is the Mediterranean Sea. And what you see here is the port, the famous port that Herod had constructed. This would have been the port that Paul sailed from uh, to, to make his way to Rome as he appealed his case to Caesar. This was the largest uh, port uh, of, the first, of the first century. And then this right here is the aqueduct. The aqueduct that extended about 10 miles, it brought water uh, into the city from the foothills of Mount Carmel. Uh, it is really a, a, re a very impressive thing to see in person. And then the last picture I want to show you is a picture of me in Joppa. Uh, Joppa, remember, is 40 miles south of Caesarea Maritima. I'm showing you this picture because this is the city that is a city that is also mentioned in the Bible. This is the city that Peter traveled from when he was staying with Simon a Tanner. Uh, Peter traveled from Joppa up to Caesarea Maritima to preach the gospel to Cornelius. Joppa is also where Jonah sailed from before he was eventually swallowed by a fish and he stayed in the belly of the fish for three days until he was vomited out. Now, Here's why I wanted to spend some time talking with you about this city. 
while we have no evidence of our Lord Jesus Christ ever visiting this city personally and preaching the word of God and performing miracles in this city, the reason why I want to talk with you about this city in this video is because if you are a member of the Monta Vista Church of Christ, and you know that very soon, and hopefully you know this because you're keeping up with your Bible reading schedule, you know that very soon, in, in a few weeks, we're going to start reading through my favorite book in the New Testament, which is the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts. I love the book of Acts because it has so much action in it. We learn about the history of the church. We learn about the, the different trials and tribulations that the apostles went through. We, we learn about how people came to Jesus 2,000 years ago. We're going to be reading the book of Acts for several weeks starting in just a few weeks. And as when we get to the book of Acts, I want you to know that we're going to have several sermons from the book of Acts. I'm going to do a sermon series from Acts. It is important that we just don't, that we just don't blitz through that book. We need to have some sermons on Acts. That is a very important book. So we're going to read Acts. We're going to study Acts. We're going to have sermons from Acts. In fact, not only will we be reading and studying Acts, but as you read through Acts, I just want you to challenge yourself to notice just how often Caesarea Maritima is mentioned in the book. I want you to challenge yourself to really appreciate the key events that took place in this city. Pay close attention to what happens in Caesarea Maritima when you get to Acts chapter 8. Notice carefully how in Acts chapter 8, Philip was used by God to convert a man from Ethiopia who had been proselytized into the Jewish religion. That's a very key event. Really appreciate Acts chapter 10. Notice how the Holy Spirit says that it was in Caesarea where the first Gentiles obeyed the gospel and were added to the Lord's kingdom. Peter went to Caesarea, Caesarea Maritima, and he did God's work. For the first time, the gospel is going to Gentiles. That takes place in this city. And then pay close attention to what you find taking place in Acts 25. When we get to Acts 25, notice how after being imprisoned or while being imprisoned in Caesarea, the Apostle Paul is able to preach the gospel to some very important people. While in jail in Caesarea, Paul preaches the gospel to Felix. And he preaches the gospel to King Agrippa. In fact, King Agrippa said that, that you almost persuaded me, Paul, to become a Christian. That happened in this city we've been talking about. A lot of key events took place in this city. And I think it's important that we appreciate that. I think it's important that we, that we notice that carefully when we start reading the book of Acts in just a few weeks. Now, in our next class, we're going to continue looking at some of the places that I was blessed to, to visit and what the Bible says about those places concerning the land of Israel. In fact, in our next video, I want to talk with you about some places that are not only found in the New Testament, but are also mentioned in the Old Testament. They're found throughout the Old Testament, and I was able to see them in person and I learned a lot, and I want to share with you some of those things the next time we are able to study together.
But thank you for studying with me this morning. May God bless you. May God bless your family. I pray nothing but good things on you and that we all grow in Christ and become more and more like him and closer to him today than we were yesterday.